0: Good evening. It is good to be together. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, we're glad that you're here. We won't have slides tonight, so if you will, be sure and open your Bible. We're looking at Romans, the 10th chapter. If you need a Bible that's in the pew there, it'll be on page 1007 uh, in the Bible that's in the pew. And we're continuing in the mailbox series. When we consider the many details of that are in God's plan it's interesting that preaching is a part of God's plan I want to remind you tonight of some very fundamental and elementary things that usually we don't talk a lot about in general audience settings we as humans didn't design the plan of preaching we as humans didn't design the idea of hey let's Call on somebody to be a preacher, it's all God's plan. And I would think that probably most everyone in this room, if we said, Has there been a preacher somewhere in your past that has blessed your life? There'd probably be some that would say, You know, I was converted because of the work that a preacher did in my life in the past. There'd probably be someone else that would say, You know, I I was restored. Because of the work of a preacher. Hopefully all of us could say, you know, my life has benefited from feeding off of the word of God as I have been preached to by a preacher. What is it about this preaching that that God would want us to know? And what is it that we need to make sure that as a church that we always stay aware of so that we're growing and developing the next generation of preachers? so that we're nurturing and encouraging the present generation of of preachers. And I feel like at this time I need to pause and give a disclaimer. You guys support me and encourage me far more than I could ever deserve. And by no means is this a study to say David just needs some encouragement. It's not that by any means although I always appreciate your encouragement. You're so good Uh, to me and and encouraged me so much, and I thank you for that. But tonight's lesson is much, much bigger and much deeper than just one individual. We're, We're talking about God's plan. God had one son, and he sent him to this earth, and he preached. He had one son. He sent him to this earth, and when John recorded about him, he couldn't help but call him Word. In other words, there was a message from God that took on flesh and that message went about and what did Jesus do? He taught and he preached. He proclaimed wherever he went that message. And so here we are in our mailbox series and it's like Paul writing through the book of Romans gets to the 10th chapter and it's almost like for just a few verses he says, let me pause here for just a moment and let me put in a good word for preaching. Let me even put in a good word for the individuals that preach. Paul, why did you do that? You were a preacher. And I believe that Paul would say, because we need to be reminded of how important it is that we hear messages of God's word. And that we hear messages of God's word from men that are willing to proclaim that message in truth. Let's read this message together. when in Romans the 10th chapter in verse one and two, we see that there were still individuals that had a zeal for God. Romans the 10th chapter one and two, they had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge and the knowledge that they were wanting to leave out, was especially the belief that Jesus of Nazareth is the son of God, a very important knowledge. And he points that out in verse four that we can't get beyond that. It's gotta stop there. It ends with Jesus Christ. Do you accept that or do you not? And so then he continues writing and you'd say, "Well, what?" individuals need to do is they need to call on the name of the Lord keep in mind he's talking to people that were struggling whether or not they believed that Jesus Christ was the Lord and so how's somebody gonna call on the Lord when they don't even know that he's the Lord and so here's where where Paul says well let's talk about this for a minute we've got a lost in a dying world just like we talked about this morning the mystery of Christ we have people that are confused about who Christ is they don't know anything about Christ or what they do know about Christ is wrong they misunderstand and so it's almost as if Paul now is saying, okay, let's pause here for a minute. Let's address this. How are people going to learn about Christ? And, and that's the idea in 13, call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Look at 14. How then, four rhetorical questions, back to back. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not Heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? How can we believe in someone? And and if you you was talking to this person, say, hey, do you believe in Jesus? They say, Jesus? Jesus of Nazareth? The Messiah, I, I haven't really heard much about him. I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, if you don't know, you can't believe. How can they believe in someone they've never heard of? Well, okay, we're going to tell people about Jesus. How are we going to get the gospel around the world? We need to tell people about Jesus. Well, they can't hear about him. They can't believe in him unless they hear And they can't hear unless someone preaches, unless someone proclaims. And I'd like for you to note here the root of this. In our culture, it's real easy for us to think about preaching. And we we picture Sunday morning or Sunday night worship like this. And the word preach and the work of a preacher is so much broader than that. It comes from the idea of a herald. Back in the days when the great announcements were made on the street corners and the, the herald would stand and he would sometimes blow a trumpet, he would get everybody's attention and he would proclaim that he has a message and then he would identify who, now see this right in context, who sent him, you see the preacher doesn't preach his message. He preaches the message from the one that sent him. And so the herald arrives on the street and says, the king has asked me to give you an announcement. And here are the words of the king. How's the world going to believe in Jesus if they've never heard of Jesus? And Paul says, I want to use language you guys understand in that first century culture. He says, I want you to picture a herald, someone that they devote their life to running out and saying, I've got another message but it was always a message from the one who sent him. So how can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless someone make the announcement, someone give the message? And how can that one run out and give a message if he has no one to send him? And then he gives this description. Description. You see there in verse 15, he's gonna quote out of Isaiah the 52nd chapter. And I wanna remind you that Isaiah the 52nd chapter, most of us know Isaiah the 53rd chapter better. That beautiful, beautiful writing about Christ was bruised for our iniquities and things like that. Well, this is still part of that messianic prophecy where he's prophesying that Jesus would come in the 52nd chapter and he would be the message, if you will, brought to this earth. And so he uses that same language to talk about preachers. And he says, how beautiful, and if you'd never heard this ever before you would read this first time and say well that's strange how beautiful are what not the mouth how beautiful are the feet of those now why would it be the feet because he was a messenger that was sent this message has to come from God and it has to be taken around the world the Great Commission to go preach. Proclaim, preach the gospel to every creature. And and so how beautiful or what are the feet that's willing to take the message of God and say, oh, this is the message and you want me to go where? Go and announce that message to all the world. And so how beautiful are the feet of those who what? Preach the gospel of peace. Now notice it's a gospel that brings peace in our life and it's a gospel that makes peace us have peace with God and that's what brings the peace in our life and then notice who bring glad tidings you know in the root what glad tidings is glad tidings is being happy to be able to give the announcement of good news and what's the good news it's the gospel so glad tidings is an opportunity that we gladly offer the gospel to be told and so glad tidings is saying I've got a gospel I've got good news and I want to present it to you and notice we bring glad tidings Of good things so what is it in these verses that we just read if we said we're gonna honor as a church we're gonna honor what God has laid out for us there are people all around this world and all around this community that they need to hear a saving gospel a good news what is it that God has laid out here first he's laid out the idea that there needs to be a messenger There needs to be those that will say, I will preach. I will proclaim that. But I need to note something. There's glad tidings. There's good news to this. What is the good news about that messenger? That messenger's life needs to be a portion of the good news. In other words, how has that message that the preacher is proclaiming How has it affected his life? If it's not made his life better, why should anyone listen to the message? How many of you would go to a dentist who had rotten teeth? Probably not any of you. How many of you would hire a roofer whose roof is caving in? How many of you would want a chef when his family eats every meal of frozen foods? Who wants to hear a message about life from an individual whose life is not living that message or that message has not blessed their life? So what is it that we get from that? We get the old expression that we need to practice, what we preach and it's not just for the individual life of the preacher which is important but it's also for the importance of the power of proclaiming that gospel are we willing to show that this message truly does have a powerful effect i'd like for you to flip with me quickly to two passages about this look at first corinthians the 10th chapter first corinthians the 10th chapter I'm sorry, it's the 11th chapter, verse one. It's a real short verse. I'll give you a minute to get there. But think about Paul saying this in 1 Corinthians 11 and one, where he says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. What was Paul saying there about the message? Now, we know that when he went to Corinth, we know from 1 Corinthians 15, verse one through four, we know what he preached. He preached the gospel, he said, and it was the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And he said it saved their lives. But notice, in addition to preaching that gospel that changed and transformed their lives, he also was able to say, listen, you can follow me. As I follow Christ, you imitate me. The power of preaching must lie in first that the preacher is willing to be an example of the message that is preached. I'd like for you to back up. And to me, this is one of those scenes. Acts the 26th chapter, if you will be turning there. Acts the 26th chapter. This is one of those scenes that I think if we could see it actually lived out, it would be... It would be one of those scenes that that we would think of it today, like watching a movie, and 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 it would be one of those dramatic times, and and we just wouldn't take our eyes off the scene. Here is is Paul standing before King Agrippa, and Bernice was there, and Agrippa was there, and they would have been in their royal clothing. They would have been in the royal and the scarlet colors, and 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 uh, the blues and the purples, and around them would have been. Guards that, that would have been royal guards, and so they would have been decked in probably some of the nicest of, 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 of garb and, and, and guarding this event. And there was one that was just standing out of place. You have this almost majestic scene, if you will, a royal scene, definitely. And then there's one guy that's dressed in common clothes, prisoner clothes. And, and he's the one that his hands and probably his feet are bound. And Agrippa's giving him an opportunity to speak up and defend himself. Instead of defending himself, he preaches. He preaches. He goes before Agrippa as a messenger saying, I have an announcement to make to you about what God can do in your life. And it's a powerful setting. And and he makes Festus so mad when, when you see back there in verse 24, And he accused him of of being mad. Uh, Festus accused Paul of that. And, And I'd like for you to notice when we read in 28 how closely Paul came to converting Agrippa. He says, then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Now notice his answer. And Paul said... I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am except with these chains. What was his plea? His plea was, I would love for you to become, what? Just like me. Well, an exception. I don't want you to have these chains like I have, but I want you to be free from the bondage of sin. I want you to be free from that life right now that is holding you in. It's almost as if Paul could say, so far as earthly matters, I'm the only one here that's not royal or working in a royal court, but I'm the only one here that is of true royalty. I'm the only one here that even though I have chains, I'm the only one that's really free. I'm the only one that has hope of eternal life. And here Paul says, I wish almost and altogether all of you were like me. We don't do a good job selling something that we don't believe in. We don't do a good job of selling something that we haven't experienced. And when we think about preaching, we need to make sure that we never lower the standard, the bar lower than what God has set it. Because the ones that will suffer Will be the goodness and the greatness of the kingdom of heaven. But I'd like for you to notice a second thing that ties to this to me very beautifully. When you look back in the text of Romans the tenth chapter, you notice there in verse 14-15 how two different times the emphasis is placed on who is going to send them. Who sends a preacher? We've already noticed the fact that, that if the preacher is a true gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, a true gospel preacher, he's sent by God with a message from God. If you would, look at Acts the 13th chapter, and let's see who sent these two preachers in Acts the 13th chapter. In Acts the 13th chapter, you remember this is where we have the first missionary journey recorded of Paul. He, he is in Antioch. You see there in verse 1. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, and, and notice in verse 2, they were ministering there and to the Lord, and they were fasting. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So who called them? The Holy Spirit called them, so God is involved definitely in sending the preachers here. But notice in verse three, they having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. You see, in this one passage, we see that God was involved in sending them. And we know from scriptures that definitely that's what a preacher does. He takes the message of God and he, he's sent by God in, in essence to, to give that message. But notice here, there's a congregation that's going to support this work. There's a congregation that's going to oversee this, if you will. And they made the decision, we're going to send them out too. The first missionary journey, Antioch was a congregation that was involved in that. We want the gospel. They knew the Great Commission. We want the gospel to be spread. That's what preachers do. They take the gospel. They take the good news. What does that look like? Here at Mount Juliet? Do we send mission work? We send because that's always been God's plan. What about the next generation? What about some that might be sitting over here? Are we willing to send them? Look, if you will, to Acts, the 16th chapter. I want to remind you that on Paul's missionary journey, he ran into a young man when we come to the second missionary journey, and this is Acts, the 16th chapter. This is where Paul and Silas are traveling. You see there in the 16th chapter, in verse 1, he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. The son of a certain Jewish woman, that had been Eunice, who believed, but his father was a Greek. Remember, his grandmother was Lois. Remember in Second Timothy, the first chapter, and in verse 5, Paul wrote to him, he says, I know the faith you have, because it was in your grandmother and your mother also. And when you go to 2 Timothy the 3rd chapter and verse 15 he even wrote and said that he knew that he knew the scriptures since his childhood. And so here is a young man that he is now ready to take the gospel of Jesus. Now I want to emphasize this again, a young man that is ready to take the gospel. He's ready to do mission work. He's ready to begin to preach, be a messenger with the gospel. And somebody says, how can a young man be ready for that? If he has parents or grandparents, if he has someone that begins training him from a young age with the word of God, he's ready for that. But it is stopped there. Notice the very next verse. I love this. Verse 2. He was well spoken of, speaking about Timothy, by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And then notice his mentor in verse three. Paul wanted to have him go with him. Do you see this setting? How is it that, that we raise up preachers? Well, number one, we gotta have families that say, I would love for my son to be a preacher. That's more rare to hear today, isn't it? A doctor can temporarily help someone physically. And I'm thankful for them. An educator can help someone's mind. But a preacher can have a part and helping someone find eternity. Everybody has their place on this earth. But I beg you to listen to this, parents. Your son will not find a more important work. I'm not saying it's more important, but your son will not find a more important work than the work of preaching and proclaiming the gospel. We've created, I'm not saying in this room. I'm saying as a brotherhood. We have created a situation where if we don't change some things, we're going to be in a difficult time. Many have saying that they love church. They love God's family more than ever. Well, God's design is for there to be preachers. But yet at the same time, there's more and more families that say, well, I just don't want my children being the ones that go in ministry. What a shame. What happened to the women that when they were pregnant prayed for a son so that they could train him in the scriptures so that he could give his life to helping souls find their way to heaven? I think about my grandmother who begged God for a son. God gave her two daughters. And her only reason for begging for a son was this humble, quiet lady just wanted to do her part in raising a preacher that could help reach a lost and dying world. How did Timothy make it out into the mission field. How when we read 1 and 2 Timothy that he was the preacher at Ephesus. How did that happen? It happened because there was a grandmother and a mother who sent him in that direction. It happened according to what we read right here that when Paul came into town there were brethren that spoke highly of him. Can you imagine how that talk was? Hey Paul You need to put your eyes on that young man. We need to figure out a way to give him experience. That young man has a lot of potential. And then we have to have mentors like Paul that says, I'd love to have him on the mission trip. I'd love to help him grow. I would love to help him develop. Listen, there's not anybody that's preaching the gospel unless someone has sent them. Someone's been involved in their life someone has encouraged them. Someone has prayed them through the experiences to become a preacher. I don't know if it's startling to you, but sometimes I wonder, what are we going to do in the church when we wake up and realize we don't have enough preachers? Oh, we're in the Bible Belt. We don't experience that as much here. You leave the Bible Belt, and it's already happening. There aren't enough preachers for the number of congregations that are in existence. But finally, finally I'd like to just close by reminding you, here in Romans the 10th chapter, we see the man that preaches, we see the people that send him, but I'd like to remind you kind of what we've already touched on, but close with it, and that is the message The message is never about the man. The message is really never about the people that sinned. The message is about the God who sends that message. The message is about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. The message is that we all can have that great resurrection and live with God for an eternity. The message is that Christ has a body, the church, and the saved gather there. And it's a wonderful place to be. Do we appreciate that message? There's many places we could go to read about this message, but I'd like to back up in the very same book. Go, if you will, back to Romans, the first chapter. In Romans, the first chapter, I'd like to show you what Paul thought about his responsibility as a preacher and the message that he preached. And he says in Romans 1 and 14, I am a debtor. This is Romans 1 and 14. I am a debtor. And, and by the way, in, in English, this may not seem so similar, but you remember this morning we studied the word ought, where he said that I would speak as I ought to speak. That's a very similar word as this word debt here. It's the idea that I owe something. I must do this. In other words, you could look at something and and think, I might buy that, I might not. If you're already in debt, the idea is now you owe this. And so Paul looks at the idea of preaching and he says, I'm in debt. Well, Paul, who do you owe? Look how much Jesus has done for me. Look how much others have done for me. They have brought me to Jesus Christ. I need to do my part to bring other people to Jesus Christ. And so he says, I have a dead, and it's both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. That's one I am statement. Look at the next one in verse 15. So as much as in me, I am ready to what? Preach. I'm ready to take that message. What is the message? The gospel. To you who are in Rome also. Now look at the third I am. Let's see about this message in 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, that good news of Jesus, of Christ. What is it? It's the power of God To salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now what about this gospel? For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. What is this gospel? It's the power to save. That power comes from God, but it is the power to save. To whom? To anyone that wants to believe. What a message. There's not anybody that we walk up to and that we preach. We say, I'm sorry, there's there's not any hope for you. And then what we offer, we don't offer something to say, I can give you something that will extend your life a year. It's so much greater than that. I I can give you a brand new car. It's so much greater than that. Hey, I have a profession that can turn you into a millionaire. It's so much more than that. What do we do as Christians? We bring a message that changes people's life and eternity. What a message. Tonight, I'm thankful to be a part of a congregation that really works hard to train our young men that if they have a heart that they want to preach, that they get the support, they get the encouragement, they even get scholarship, they get the experiences. And I hope, I hope that all of us, we appreciate what too oftentimes would be very easy to fail to see the divine plan and the blessing of it. And again, I simply say to you, thank you. Uh, thank you for the support. Uh, I have been here between 13 and 14 years. And I haven't had a day yet that I didn't want to come in the office. Uh, you've been far better than, to me than what I ever could deserve. Eternity's for real. Your soul is for real. Where will you spend it? Tonight, we extend an invitation. It's a message from God. He loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. Have you responded to it? If we can assist you being baptized into Christ tonight, we'd love to do that. If you've been close to God, but now you're far from God, we'd love to see you come back We'd love to pray with you and for you. Tonight, if there's any way that we can help you come as we stand and as we sing.